This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for January 3rd, 2018. In this episode, lesson learned after getting hacked, what to do if your iCloud account is compromised. Plus, email phishing attacks are as old as email itself. We'll tell you how to avoid being taken in by these cleverly designed email attacks. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software, exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. That voice you just heard is our producer, Doug Adams. Just before we started recording last week's episode, Doug sent me an iMessage telling me that he thought his iCloud account had been hacked. He got an alert that said that someone had signed into iMessage on a new Mac and the the name of the new Mac was unreadable and he checked his Macs and obviously they were all signed in. It's pretty scary when you think that your iCloud account has been hacked. So I thought we'd get Doug on the show to explain what happened and how he resolved this. Doug, welcome. Well, thanks for having me on, gentlemen, despite the circumstances. Um, I did resolve this issue uh, after a bit of work, but as you say, I got a notification that my Apple ID was being used on a Mac that was obviously not mine. So I immediately went to iCloud.com and changed my password, and I thought that would be the end of it, but about 20 minutes after changing the password, I got another notification from Apple saying that my account was now locked because there were too many attempts being made to log in to my account. And it obviously wasn't me. So when Apple locks your account like that, the only way to unlock it is to change the password. So I changed it a second time. Well, two hours afterwards, I got another message from Apple saying that I was locked out again. So once again, I had to change my password for a third time. Seems okay. Now, I have to admit, I was not using two-factor authentication. I am now. But I'm, I was really surprised by the relentlessness at which these hackers went after my account. I'll put a screenshot in the show notes, which is the alert that Doug got. It says, your Apple ID and phone number are now being used for iMessage on a new Mac. And if you recently signed into the Mac 3, you can ignore this notification. Now, those characters before the 3 are just strange characters, 8GEPC, etc., It turns out that these are actually Chinese characters that can't display in this dialogue. And when I was looking into what happened, I found an article in Mashable from 2016 talking about this. What's interesting is it shows the exact same name of the Mac that has signed into iMessage. And I found this actually quite surprising. This is a hack that has been active for more than a year, and yet someone still managed to get into Doug's account. Josh, what do you think about this? Someone was able to get into Doug's account, which means that they either knew his email address and password, and your email address is probably not that hard to find, but I know your password is relatively secure, or they got through his security questions. There's no other way, is there? I think probably what was most likely to have happened in this case was if Doug's password had ever been used, that is his iCloud password, had ever been used on another site where that site's password database had gotten compromised, then it's very likely that what happened is that somebody took the email address from that that password dump, that password breach, and the password, and 
tried both of those together to log into his iCloud account. And probably this was not somebody specifically targeting Doug. This was probably somebody who was just trying a whole bunch of different things using a bot, something, some automated system to just try to log into as many accounts as possible. Doug, did you use that password on other websites? I want to say that I never have. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've never used my iCloud password elsewhere. My email has shown up in, in database, databases of breached um, uh, accounts. So, that, I mean, 17 of them. When I went to uh, the site that you recommended, Josh, which is uh, Have I Been Owned? We'll have a link in the show notes so you can check your email addresses. There were 17 breaches that I were a, was a part of. Many of them I was already aware of and I had already fixed. Others I was not aware of at all. So it's certainly possible that, you know, they certainly got my email address that way. How they got my password, it's still a mystery to me because it's a very unusual password. It's, I thought it was fairly secure, but again, I wasn't using two-factor. Uh, I didn't take all the precautions I could have. I was probably feeling pretty confident because I've been online for years and I've never been compromised like this. This is the first time it's ever happened. So uh, I don't really know how they got the password. So this Mashable article talks about this hack as essentially being a way for people to send iMessage spam in Chinese. Did you get any spam, Doug? I did. In fact, about a minute after I was notified that um, my my Apple ID was being used on another computer, in iMessages, I've got the spam. I got the, the Chinese spam. So it's too much of a coincidence. There has to be a relation. There. But it seems to me that someone or some bot is going to a lot of trouble just to send you spam. They could just as easily send spam to your email address. Why would someone do this, Josh? Why do you think they would go to this trouble to spam an individual? I could understand if they wanted to take over his account to spam his contacts, but I would have gotten a spam from, from Doug if that were the case. Yeah, that, that is kind of a mystery, isn't it? So the, the Mashable article doesn't really give a lot of details. Um, they just kind of abruptly end the story with, uh, this story is developing, and then they didn't go back and, and update it any further. When they did some translations of what those iMessages said, it would in that particular case, it happened to be about um, Macaw casinos, apparently. So it was trying to get people to, to go to these uh, casino websites. So why specifically Doug was receiving these messages after getting the alert that his account was hacked? I don't know. That's kind of mysterious to me because... You know, if somebody wanted to just send you spam, they could actually do that by sending an iMessage to your iCloud email address. So what I, I, I wonder if what might have been happening here is if you were getting some kind of um, uh, like an echo reply or bounce type message that um, maybe your account had been sending out messages to other people and somehow you were getting sort of a, a reply back from some of these iMessage accounts perhaps. But then I would have gotten a message because Doug and I message each other regularly. And assuming that the spam bot is working logically, it would start with the most recent contacts, wouldn't it? Or it would just send messages to all contacts. Interestingly, you said something about how you can send a message to anyone, even if they're not in your contacts. If you're on an iOS device and you go into messages, you have two tabs. One says contacts and SMS, and the other says unknown senders. But on the Mac, you don't get that. I've rarely gotten spam on my Mac, but there are times that I've seen messages in the unknown senders tab in messages on my iPhone that I don't see on my Mac. So there seems to be a lack of 
consistency between the way the platforms handle these messages. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting point. I, I was going to say one, one of the things that, that that you you can certainly do, and it's it's exactly just like sending an SMS, a text message, right? Um, you can put in anybody's phone number and send them a message. Well, it's the same thing with iMessages as well. So you can send somebody uh, an iMessage even if they're not in your contacts. So if if this is what I'm guessing that perhaps it might have been where um, if someone was trying to use his account to send spam, what's possible is that they may have been trying to spam accounts that are were not in Doug's contacts list. Maybe rather than going through his recent you know messages and sending messages to those people, maybe he was just trying to send to a bunch of other people to try to get them infected and that kind of a thing. To random people, because perhaps their senders had been blocked already whatever the sender ID is of the spammer might have been blocked. So if they can get into someone else's account and send messages to random people, then it won't be blocked by Apple. Ah. The interesting thing about the iMessage message that I got was that it was CC'd to about 24 other phone numbers. So I'm not really sure how that comes into play either, but there's something about hitting as many people as possible, either from my address as the source or uh, some other source. And I'm, I'm, now in the in the chain what surprises me is that if someone manages to get into someone's iCloud account there's an awful lot that they can do that would be more useful and more valuable to them than simply sending spammy messages they could get a hold of your email from there they could reset your password say on PayPal and send themselves money they could reset your Amazon email and perhaps be able to send themselves products from Amazon there are all sorts of ways they might even actually get into your bank account Although it's pretty rare that a bank account uses just an email and a password. What I find interesting is that Apple alerts you about that. But the only time they will alert you about that is if someone has signed into either iMessage or FaceTime. They won't alert you if someone signed into your iCloud account, just say going to iCloud.com. I, I think there's something special about iMessage and FaceTime, the way that they sort of take control of your phone number in addition to using your Apple ID or email address to send and receive messages. And that's why they have to give that alert. I know I see this regularly because my iMac, which is my main Mac, often when I restart, it somehow is not signed into messages. So I have to re-sign in. So then all my devices get an alert saying this is this device is signed into messages. And the only time I get the more complete alert, which is the email that Doug got, in addition to the dialogue, um, is when it's a new device. So I bought a new uh, MacBook Pro a couple months ago, and at that point, I also got an email saying, you've signed into a new device for the first time. The message that I got with regard to my Apple ID and phone number being used at, with iMessage on a new Mac says this, if you recently signed into globa globa globa, you can ignore this notification but it doesn't tell you what to do if that isn't your Mac. So, I mean, I immediately, first thing I did was I contacted Kirk, but I mean, not everybody's going to do that. No, please don't. <laughs> but the next thing I would do is to search Google, and I figured, well, I'm just wasting time doing this, so I didn't even think twice about it. I just changed the password. Yeah, it's interesting because this dialogue, and again, look in the show notes, you'll see what the alert looks like. It just has an OK button. It's Apple's telling you there might be a breach of your iCloud account, and your only option is to click OK and just shrug. I'm going to link in the show notes to an Apple article, which is entitled, If You Think Your Apple ID Has Been Compromised. And there are four sections to this, and I think it's interesting for everyone to look through all of them. The first one 
discusses why your Apple ID might not be secure. And it suggests things like someone else created an Apple ID for you, or you're sharing it with your family and friends. And, and sometimes people will do that. Two spouses will share the same Apple ID. Or you've shared your password with someone else intentionally or unintentionally. You don't have control of the email address or phone number associated with your Apple ID, or your password is weak or has been compromised. Then they go on to say, how do I know if my Apple ID was compromised? And they talk about the notifications that you'll get that your Apple ID was used to sign into a device you don't recognize or did not sign into recently. You may get an email from Apple that your Apple ID password was changed or your account information was updated. Your device might be locked because if someone else gets control of your account and you have, say, find my iPhone on on your iPhone, they can then lock your iPhone without you being able to control it. They then have a section about how to gain control of your Apple ID. And so this is the most important thing. If this happens, what Doug said before is absolutely what you must do, except contact me. You must immediately go to iCloud.com and change your password. Don't just change it to a similar password. Do something extremely different. And also, it's important to remember to to turn on two-factor authentication, as Doug mentioned, too, because that way, if somebody is still able to get into your account somehow. Maybe you're using another password that also happened to be in a breach and someone guesses that. Um, You wanna make sure with that two-factor authentication enabled, it's gonna be much more difficult for somebody to get into your account. Okay, and the final thing that you should do, as Apple says in their article, make sure you know which Apple ID is signed into your device. And I would turn that around and I would say, go to iCloud.com and look at the devices that you're signed in on. If you go into the settings section on iCloud.com on the web, you'll see all the devices. If you see a device that's not yours, there's a, a button to click to to sign it out, to remove it. Sometimes people make a mistake and they'll sell or give away an old Mac or an iPad without signing out. And this could be a problem. It doesn't mean that the person with that device can do anything because they don't actually have your password. But it, of course, could be a hindrance to them because they can't sign in with their own account. So it's really important to check this on iCloud.com. And if you see anything that looks suspicious, just remove it right away. We'll have some tips on how to avoid phishing email scams when the Intego Mac podcast continues in just about a minute. There's a lot of confusing terminology in computer security. What terms do you want to learn about? Send us an email at podcast at Intego.com telling us what terms you want to learn more about. And if we mention your email on the show, you might win a prize. If your New Year's resolutions include keeping your computers and network secure from vulnerabilities and attacks, then now's a good time to get started with Intego Security Software. It's also a great time to save some money doing it. Right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego Software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then, at checkout, use the promo code IntegoPodcast and save 50%. That's IntegoPodcast to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. 
It's a great time of year to save 50% on Mac Premium Bundle X9 using the promo code INTEGOPODCAST at checkout. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. One of the biggest threats in computer security these days is phishing. Josh, tell us what phishing is. And this word doesn't start with the letter F, does it? No, it's PH phishing. And this is something that's been around a long time. I mean, probably one of my first exposures to internet security was getting phishing emails probably in the, I don't know, early mid 90s. So this has been going on for a long time. Phishing emails are messages that look like they're from an organization that you may have something to do with, maybe uh, something that looks like a bank, perhaps your bank, maybe not. And what they're trying to do, what the attacker is trying to do, is to blast out a bunch of spam to a bunch of people, usually. And they're trying to get as many people to fall for this as possible. So they might use a very common bank, for example, like Bank of America. And so they just collect a bunch of email addresses they found on the internet somewhere. And they send this Bank of America looking phishing email to all these people. And the idea is that they're trying to get you to click on a link to put in your Bank of America username and password if you happen to have an account there. And then once you do that, then they use your username and password to log into your account and steal your money. That, that's an example of a phishing attack. And there are many other kinds of phishing attacks, but that's, that's a basic kind that you'll often see. Yeah, you'll also see um, you'll also see emails saying, for example, that your PayPal account has been limited. You have to log in to resolve a problem, or maybe something from eBay, or even from Apple. Interestingly, the fake Apple iCloud phishing emails often have very bad spelling and grammar. It's really not that hard to use a spell checker to get some English-speaking person to correct these things. One form of phishing that I've been seeing a lot lately. I've probably seen a hundred variants on this, and I'll put a screenshot of a message in the show notes. One of them that I got yesterday is edit your order. Hello, you have seven message. And then there's a, a, a purple button with the, the word view. Another one is new calls. Hi, you have nine messages, a green button with the word view. And I've really gotten a hundred of these lately. Some of them say your photos are corrupted. Some of them say download your invoice, but they all have this same look they're signed by a name of a person at support. It says this message was sent to email address. Please unsubscribe if you don't want to receive these email singular in the future. You've been getting these too, Josh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for a long time. And this is something that's not going to go away because it's just too easy for somebody who wants to make some money to send out these spam messages to lots and lots and lots of people. And all it takes is for, you know, a fraction of a percent of people to fall for this. And now they've compromised your account and they can, in the case of a banking or a PayPal type website, now they can steal money from you. And so it, it's it's a way for an attacker to, to make money with uh, without a lot of effort, unfortunately. I'm going to link in the show notes to an article on the Intego Max security blog that I wrote in 2015 about phishing, explaining how it works and showing some examples of phishing emails. And one is, is a Dropbox email that looks really quite good. It says spelling and the grammar are correct. And the button says verify your email because it says that someone used Dropbox to share some files with you. And the real risk of this is being too busy to think 
clearly about when you get an email. Well, a lot of people share files with Dropbox and someone just said to you, I'm going to send you the files on Dropbox and you get this email, you just automatically assume it's from that person. So the technique that we've generally recommended in the past is if you're on a computer in your web browser, hover your cursor over the link or the button and you'll see a URL that pops up, which is the actual URL that's behind the link. If you're on an iOS device, tap and hold the link and you'll see the same thing. And you'll notice, for example, that it's not dropbox.com or apple.com, but it's joeswebsite.com slash dropbox or dropbox.joeswebsite.com. Because what happens often is that very small websites get hacked and people install these files on those websites in places where the people who run the sites would never look. And so these are sites that aren't suspicious in any way. But just before we started the show, Josh was telling me that this technique isn't reliable, that hackers have figured out a way to falsify this little pop-up URL box. Right. Yeah, there's a couple of things to be concerned about with this common recommendation of hovering over or the tap to hold. On an iOS device, yes, you can do that. You do want to be careful if, if you tap on a link, you want to make sure that you don't just tap on it and, and release too quickly because you might end up going there by mistake. So that's one thing to be careful about. If you tap and hold and hold it long enough, then yes, you should see a, an accurate preview of where that link is going to go. On a Mac, however, or, or any other um, desktop computer where you have a mouse, you have another way, as you mentioned, where you can usually, you can hover over that link with your cursor and you can get a preview of where that link is going to go. The problem here is that it's possible using JavaScript, which is a, a website technology that allows for active code to be running on, on that page. It's possible with JavaScript to disguise that address so that it's not actually going to go where you think it's going to go. In fact, we mentioned just last week when we were discussing Google and how if you happen to you know copy a link from google.com search results, you're actually, if you go to and paste that somewhere, you're going to see a big long google.com URL, not the URL that you thought you were going to be going to. And so that, that address is different um, than what you might expect. And that's because of JavaScript. And attackers have started, um, in fact, it started a couple of years ago. It, it only happens occasionally, but because this is a technique that attackers can also use to disguise an address, you also have to be careful about hovering over a link, even in an email. Okay, so if I hover over the link and the link looks real, should I click it? <laughs> My advice is that anytime that you get any message, you should always, first of all, you should always be suspicious about anything that you get in your email or any website that you go to. Always be really cautious and assume the worst, right? Assume that, you know, somebody's trying to hack into your account. Assume that this website that you're visiting is compromised because you don't, you don't know. And so it's better to, to err on the side of caution. You must be a lot of fun at parties. <laughs> You have to be a little bit paranoid if you want to, you know, to keep your accounts secure. This is true. When, when you're working in computer security, you've seen so many nefarious things that you have to assume that everything is just evil. Right. So what can you do then? Well, what I recommend is, is that if, if you get, an, a, let's say, an email that looks like it's from your bank or 
a service that you use, maybe you use Dropbox uh, as an example. Or Apple or PayPal or any of those well-known sites. Right. There are a lot of people, of course, who use those. And so it could just be that somebody is sending out a mass phishing email and you happen to be using an account that they're targeting. What you can do is to go to that actual website. Don't click on the link in the email. Don't even hover over the link in the email if you're paranoid. But to actually open your browser and type in the, you know, dropbox.com or or whatever it might be, iCloud.com, PayPal.com, type it in, or better yet, if you have it bookmarked, go to your, just click on your bookmark. And that way you don't accidentally even typo and go to some other phishing site, perhaps. Not only should you not click on the links that these emails want you to click on, you shouldn't click on the unsubscribe links. And for two reasons, the unsubscribe link could be just another simple phishing link but it also tells a spammer that the email address that they've sent that message to is valid. And when you click on an unsubscribe link, it's kind of like saying, hey, I'm here, spam me more. Exactly, yeah, Microsoft and many other companies have been recommending for many, many years, don't click on unsubscribe links for that exact reason. Now, there are some unsubscribe links that are valid, and if you get a lot of email from mailing lists from businesses and websites, you'll recognize a service called MailChimp that sends out emails and their unsubscribe links are real. And so when you want to unsubscribe from these mailing lists, those links take you to a web page where you're immediately unsubscribed. And then another page loads asking why you're unsubscribing if you want to answer. I get too many emails. I never signed up for it. This is spam, etc. The problem is fishers can make emails look exactly like MailChimp emails. You know, it's really simple. This is just HTML code. You can just copy the code and paste it into another web page or email, and it's going to look exactly the same as, as the real ones. So, so that reminds me of something similar. I have a credit card, and a couple of years ago, something happened, and somehow a, a fraud alert was set off on the credit card, and actually it wasn't fraud, but my bank sent me a text message saying, there's a fraud alert on your credit card, contact us at this phone number immediately. Now, me being lots of fun at parties, I did not call that phone number. I went to my bank's website. I looked for their fraud department phone number and I called them up. And then when I found that the phone number was different from the one in the text message, I complained saying, you're sending text messages that could lead people to think that they're not real because the number's not right. So you should never assume that any of these things are real. I mean, it's really terrible that we have to do this, but you, you really have to think that anything concerning an account with money your bank, PayPal, anything where your sensitive files are, your iCloud account or Dropbox, you have to be really careful and assume that there are people who are going to be trying to cheat you. And you bring up a really good point, too, that it's not only links. You also have to be careful about phone numbers. So sometimes an attacker might send you an email saying, if you believe your account has been compromised, call this phone number. And that phone number might very well be the phone number of the attacker. In fact, this has actually happened. It's not just, we're not just making that up. This really does happen where you'll have a phone bank and there's a bunch of people who maybe some of them even think they're working for a legitimate organization. They're just working at a call center, you know, making minimum wage or something. And they might actually be working for a scam company that's trying to break into people's accounts. So you've got to be even careful about phone numbers. I live in the UK and last week the tax office made a formal alert to people 
warning of people who call up individuals saying they're from the tax office, saying that they've got a fine and they have to pay it by buying an iTunes store gift card. And they have to stay on the phone, buy the gift card, read them the code. Now, elderly people might fall for this. Uh, you or I or Doug, we wouldn't fall for this because we would just laugh at it. But this is the kind of thing that happens in the real world, and people get scammed by this. And, you know, we'll do an episode about these other types of scams at some point. I'll just mention one. My, my mother got a call one day from someone, a young male voice who said, Grandma, I'm in jail. I need help. And then the phone was transferred to someone who claimed to be an officer from the American embassy in Colombia. Now, my mother knows that her grandson, my son, lives in Paris, so she was smart enough to not do anything. But, you know, when you hear, when you have that emotional reaction to something, you're inclined to believe the worst. Right. So, yeah. And, and this is a this is a very common technique. It's called social engineering, where so, an attacker is trying to do something to convince you that you need to divulge information. And some attackers are, are really good at this, or they've devised techniques that tend to give them a lot of success in these attacks. And that one in particular is actually called the Spanish prisoner scam, and it dates back to the 16th century. But when we do an episode about this, I'll tell you how I learned that and why I know it. One thing you should do in your web browser is turn on fraudulent website protection. In the article in the Intego Mac security blog, I'll link to in the show notes, I explain how to do this in Safari, Chrome, and Firefox. Now, e each of these browsers accesses a database. I believe it's Google that maintains this database. And if you go to a fraudulent website, if you accidentally click on a link in a phishing email and go to a website, you may see a big bright red alert on your screen telling you, you know what, I'm me, the web browser, I know that this site is dangerous, so don't go any further. Right. Uh, yeah, Google Safe Browsing is the service. And you're right that Safari, Chrome, and Firefox all use the service. It should be on by default, but it doesn't hurt to, to double check and make sure that that phishing protection is enabled. In the meantime, at this time of year with holidays, people exchanging a lot of emails, people sending each other perhaps gift cards by email. Just be really careful. Don't click on anything until you're entirely sure. So with all that in mind, the new year is here. Maybe make a resolution to be a lot more careful when you click on links. With all that, stay secure. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Your comments and questions are welcome. Please feel free to send email correspondence to podcast at intigo.com. We may use your question on a future episode. Links to topics and information Kirk and Josh mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intigo.com. The Intego website is also where you'll find details on the full line of award-winning Intego security and utility software, intego.com.